welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. So this is week two of a new series on the Gospel of Mark. This is a series that's going to take us through for about four months, 16 chapters of the Gospel of Mark, and every week we're going to go into uh, each chapter, starting last week, and also the children's ministry are doing this as well. We're going through this in our life groups. I want to encourage you every week, throw yourself into the Bible, throw yourself into the Scripture, and you'll find even just in one chapter, that can last you a very long time. But as you read your Bible, as you open up your Bible, ask the Lord to speak to you. Say, Father, let your Holy Spirit cause these words to jump out at me and speak to me. Because you know that what's in here is alive. You know that, don't you? It's not just words on a page. There's a reason why that it's the most stolen book in the world. There's a reason why it's the most illegal book in the world. The enemy knows the power of this. The words that come out of here are spirit and life. So as we read the Bible together... Search the scriptures, but ask God to illuminate, to reveal to you what's in there. It's an incredible book. I get so excited when I get to share. It's, it's phenomenal. Before we start, though, can we pray? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come around your word, even though it's a bit of a shorter time today. But we ask your spirit would reveal Christ to us and your heart for us. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. So, The second chapter of Mark's Gospel, we're not going to go through the whole chapter today. There's a last part of this chapter that we're going to read together though. And to recap in short from last Sunday, if you missed it, you can get it. It's online, on Facebook, it's on YouTube as well. I preached a message on godly authority and demonic activity. And so we see very early on in Mark's Gospel, um, John Mark, the guy who pens this, is telling the stories and showing how... The authority of Jesus is firmly established. It's all about the authority of Jesus. And then Jesus, as that authority is established and revealed, starts to get some opposition. Starts to get some opposition um, spiritually. And you can see a number of accounts throughout Mark chapter 1 about demonic manifestations. But also people are starting to get pretty ticked off. Particularly religious people. They're starting to get a little bit worried here. And we're going to see some religious people get a bit upset when they see Jesus' authority established and demonstrated. Are we ready to read this together? We're going to read from, starting from verse 23 of Mark chapter 2. It says this, One Sabbath, everyone say that word with me, Sabbath. Sabbath. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath. The Sabbath. I love that word, Sabbath. Sabbath. Kind of excites me, especially today, because I'm starting a long Sabbath tomorrow. I'm going on eight weeks sabbatical. Yeah, baby. I've got a long service leave starting tomorrow. So there's a little bit of bias in my interest in what Jesus is talking about here. <laughs> in my absence, so you know, um, for those that don't know, I'm the senior pastor and I also locally pastor Malaga here. In my absence, Pastor Allison, with, just see Allison with all of your needs. Right, just bother Pastor. She'll be taking care of the operations here in Malaga and Pastor Scott uh, for uh, the senior related issues. Um, but moving forward the next couple of months, when I think about Sabbath, I think, man, I'm just going to sleep for two months. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to sleep for two months. But Sabbath is more than just sleeping. It's more than just sleeping. Um, who knows where the Sabbath actually started in the Bible? Where did the idea of Sabbath first start? Somewhere in Genesis. Somewhere at the beginning there. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. A Sabbath actually... Um, God codified this command, this law, the fourth commandment. Can we go to Exodus chapter 20, please, verse 8 to 11? This is where we first read of the Sabbath. This is the fourth commandment that God gives. It's the longest of the commands. That's what God writes. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living among you. For in Six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So it was a day that was holy. If you've got your thinking cap on, you'll think holy day. It's a holy day. Oh, what do you know? God invented the holiday. Why? Because he cares about us. You know that, don't you? And so what had happened at this point was religious people were taking that command and they were putting lots of additions to it. I've been over to Israel and I remember one of the most vivid um, recollections I have of Jewish people in the Sabbath was when I was staying in a hotel one time and it was a Sabbath day and what I noticed was there was a lot of people heading into this hotel and there were two hotels sorry not two there's one hotel but two lifts and there was one lift that people could just use and you could push the button and it take you up to the floor you want but there was another lift which was observing the sabbath or they say the shabbat and what would happen with that lift if you were a jewish person and you were observing the sabbath the shabbat is you would go in the lift and you couldn't push the button. It would just stop on every single level, every floor. Because it is understood 
that pushing a button is operating heavy machinery. Right? Just like driving a car is considered operating heavy machinery. There are certain things that are seen as work. So what I went to is, I'm like, what is going on here? There are people, they're walking so far, they're changing how they're living, and they're just waiting in long queues to go into an elevator to get out because they can't touch the button. To me, that sounds like work, (laughs) not rest. Now, you have to admire, though, the desire for these people to do the right thing. They're trying to please God. But that's, that's what religion is. And so here we see Pharisees, they're, they're, they're having a crack at Jesus' disciples because Jesus' disciples, it says, uh, were going through the grain fields and plucking heads of grain. Well, that was a post, that was harvesting, that was work. So the Pharisees, these religious people, in an effort to try and trip Jesus up, they go, hey, 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 you, you, you and your authority, you ain't all that in the bag of potato chips. Your blokes are breaking the law of the Sabbath by harvesting. It could be arguing that there might have been some other laws that were broken there, namely how far you could walk. One of the, one of the parameters of walking, you couldn't walk any more than 1,999 steps on a Sabbath day, that would be work. How crazy is that? 2,000 or more is work, but less than that. So, so, so it could be argued that these guys walking through the field and harvesting, they're also breaking that law as well. And the Pharisees, these religious people, are trying to pick fault. If you're taking notes, write this one down. Don't be bullied by a religious spirit. Have you ever had a religious spirit? What I mean, I'm not meaning a demonic, demonic spirit. I'm talking about a heart, a disposition, a value. Have you ever had a religious value in you, a religious spirit in you, a religious attitude in you, where in an effort to try and look good, appear good, even do good, you're actually denigrating and bringing down someone else? Am I the only one that can? That's me. I've been a I've been a bit of a Pharisee sometimes. I'll admit that. To have that Pharisaic perspective, I I can't get too upset with the Pharisees because even as a Christian, I've been a little bit judgy on other people. No one else is judgy in this room. Look at all the halos above your hairs. I see them, yes, I know. (laughs) Have you ever been bullied by a religious spirit before? Have you ever been on the other side and you felt condemned? You felt pressured? You felt judged? For maybe, I don't know, someone said, you're not reading your Bible enough, you're not praying enough, you're not going to church enough, whatever it might be. Doesn't feel good, does it? Jesus actually here, He stands up to this religious spirit. And I think there's something for us to see here. Don't be bullied by a religious spirit. Don't be bullied by religion. Religion is man's attempt to please God. Religion is what we construct to keep God happy. But that's antithetical to the gospel. The gospel is the fulfillment of the law. And the good news that Jesus in himself has completed every 
requirement of the law. In fact, it's in Jesus and his finished work of the cross that we are pleasing to God. That's the good news of the gospel. So while religion suffocates, the gospel liberates. Are you living under religion? Or are you living under the freedom of the gospel? Jesus came to show up these religious structures and systems. Maybe you're here this morning and you felt like, uh, I, 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 I feel like I've fallen so far short of the, of, of, of the standards of Christianity. I can't live to that, that level. Anymore. I can't do it. I, you're in the perfect place. That's me. That's why I need the gospel. Because I just admit that I need it. And if that's you today, perhaps is your day of salvation to say yes to Jesus and what he's done for you. He has finished and he is at rest right now. In fact, right now he is demonstrating Shabbat at the right hand of the Father. I love Jesus' response to the Pharisees that try to trip him up. Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And this is what Jesus says. <laughs> check, check this out. Jesus goes full attorney on these Pharisees, right? He goes, have you never read what David did? Like, that's a bit of an insult there. Jesus, Jesus is coming back to the Pharisees who are trying to trip him up by the law. And then Jesus says, well, are, are you guys telling me you've never, you've, never, you've never read? You've never read this thing? He's showing the depth of his wisdom and his understanding right here in his response. And what he says is, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any of the priests to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. So Jesus does a couple of things as he addresses these religious folk he doesn't just school them. He also compares himself to David. Because if there was anybody in the scriptures that would be looked to with admiration, it would be King David in the glory days of Israel. This is David. And David, he took the bread and he shared it with those people that were with him because they were on a divine mission just like Jesus and his disciples. So Jesus is actually drawing these Pharisees to his authority again and his Messiahship right now. These guys are not happy at this point. I mean, they're pretty ticked off. But what he also does is he gives us a lesson. And that lesson is this for point number two, to embrace God's heart as you embrace his word. Embrace God's heart as you embrace his word. The Pharisees were very good at knowing what the Bible said, but they didn't know the heart for which the word came. Why did God give the Sabbath? Why did he call for us to demonstrate Shabbat? Why did he say, rest, stop working? Why? Because he cares. That's why. You know, God cares for you. The Pharisees had turned everything around, missed the very reason why God gave this command and turned it into a burden. When we consider Christianity, 
do we see it as refreshing or burdensome? And the very answer to that question might help us understand whether we fully grasp the gospel. Jesus has come to seek and save that which is lost. He's come to set free and to liberate. His burden is light. His teaching is not like the other ones. It's, it's, it's refreshing to be with Jesus. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone and it's just burdensome? Oh my goodness, it's just... <laughs> Don't nudge your spouse over there. <laughs> have you, but have you been in a relationship with someone and it's refreshing? You've been with someone that's like a breath of fresh air. Those people, they just, you just want to be around them. That's like Jesus, right? So the heart of God was to grant us rest because he cares for us. Can you just pass me that, please? Um, yeah. Um, Gary just brought his pillow from home this morning. Actually, no, this is my daughter, Hope. She was using it just before. Um, the thing about Shabbat or Sabbath is I look at this pillow and straight away I think about sleeping because of physical rest. But do you know there remains a spiritual rest that God wants us to receive entirely? You can sleep all you want and still be unrested. When God calls for us to live in Shabbat, it's more than just a day, by the way. It's a way of life. Though it is important, I believe, to adopt a precedent established in the scripture from creation, actually, where we have a day of rest. It's not just a day where we do no work. It's not just a day where we um, stop doing anything and go into a comatose sleep. (laughs) It's not just a day of relaxation. It's a day of dedication. It's a day of worship. It's where we realize I need to cease from my own activity for just a second, just a moment, and then come to the realization realization and revelation that the world will still function without me doing stuff. Are we okay with just taking a break? To just having a rest? Two, two, two. This one has a needs a rest. It needs some Shabbat. When we consider Sabbath, consider this: it's not just a physical break from doing stuff. It's emotional. It's relational. It's spiritual. God cares so very much. He cares so incredibly for your well-being that he designed Sabbath. He's even, he even cares about the earth we live in, that there be a stopping of the harvesting of the land 
periods that it would grant the earth an opportunity to rest, to recover, to replenish. God cares immensely. It's so important that we see what we read about in the Bible. You know, we, we can get lost on a letter and miss a word. You can get lost in the letter of the law and miss the word of God. Well, the Pharisees in John, we can see, they knew the Bible, but Jesus says, you, you, you guys are fools. You know the Bible, but you forget. It's talking about me, Jesus says. So when we read our Bibles, don't get lost on the letter of the law. Understand the spirit with which God writes it. Understand the heart of it. Understand the heart of the Father. That's the beauty that we find in Jesus in the gospel. Have you embraced his heart? This says then in verse 27 and 28, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he's pointing to his authority. I love that it's the same. The same one that said, let there be light, also says, let there be rest. The same one. Jesus was there in creation. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It was the Word that brought about the earth into being for six days. So Christ himself knows what Sabbath is because he was there in the beginning and he rested himself. And so now he has some people, some religious people trying to educate him on Sabbath. He was there. <laughs> I'm going to quickly read just a few verses of chapter three. I'm cheating. On next week's sermon, but I'm just going to, because it's still on the Sabbath, so it still counts. Okay, watch this. Again, it says in verse 1 of chapter 3, again he entered the synagogue. Where was he? In the synagogue. He was in the synagogue. Pay attention. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them... Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. There's that, those words, hardness of heart. You'll see it continue to pop up. Hardness of heart. And said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him, how to kill him. The first time we read of that, how to kill. They were plotting because they didn't like what Jesus was doing. Jesus was being set up, but then he set them up. They were in the synagogue and there were Pharisees. There was a Pharisaical spirit in the collective community. That's not in here though. That's a different, that's a different community where you'll see religious activity, right? But here, they're trying to stitch him up. And one of the laws was you cannot actually, you cannot minister to someone with a physical illness unless it leads them to death. You could, you, you, that, that was one of, that was on the Sabbath, you couldn't do that. And so there, there's a guy with a withered hand who's, 
who's just got a withered hand, he's not going to die, and then they're trying to trap Jesus, and Jesus is like, well, what do I do? Should I help someone or not help someone? See, they had misinterpreted God's intention for humanity. And so Jesus, does he break the Sabbath law? No, he doesn't. But he helps them better define it, better interpret it. And he heals the man. And they didn't like it. It upset the apple cart. And then what do they do? Instead of going, wow, that's amazing. Someone got healed. There was good that was done on the Sabbath. What do they try to do? They try to kill him. That's what a religious spirit will do. It suffocates. It incarcerates. It even dominates. But Jesus has come to liberate. Final point as we finish with this. You see, all of this points to Jesus. And the call for us is to find true Sabbath in a person rather than a practice. The practice is good. The ritual is helpful, but it's all about the relationship. So you can practice the ritual, but then miss the relationship. True Sabbath, true Sabbath rest is found in the person of Jesus. Let's check out Hebrews chapter 4. Pastor Allison, I know you love this verse. You know where I'm going, don't you? You're picking up what I'm putting down, aren't you? Hebrews chapter 4. Let's go. um, I'll go from verse 9, but just some backdrop here. There's a conversation here that the writers of the Hebrews are saying, and, and talking about Joshua. Joshua who foreshadows Christ, who is a type of Christ. And then the writer says in verse Nine. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Have you yet inherited Sabbath rest in Christ? I'm not asking you if you've got a day off every week and you're resting. I'm not, I'm, I'm not asking you about that. So that, that's a great thing to do. My question is, have you found true rest and refuge in the person of Jesus? Perhaps you've been coming to a church service for many years now and you still don't know what true rest in him is like because as i've said before you can you can be idle in your whole life and be rested from physical pressures and expectations all around about you but still be unsettled in your soul because you're yet to receive this sabbath rest which is found in jesus Conversely, you can be hectic constantly around about. I feel like I'm in the latter camp here. You could be constantly busy and hectic around about you with things happening all of the time. But on the inside, you're chilling like a villain, baby. You are just so in Christ, you're rested. I want that latter one. I want that because I know right now Jesus has done all he has needed to do. 
When he said it was finished, it is finished. As he said, it is accomplished, finito, done. And he is right now seated at the right hand of the Father, right now. And I tell you where we are, in him. Thank you, Lord. We are resting in him as he is resting. But there still sometimes is a struggle between living here and living here. And this is why we have to work for that rest. We have to strive for that rest. If there is any work, if there is any striving, if that's the term you're going to use, well, just endeavor that to be in Jesus. Oh, my whole life is about finding ah, rest because that's, whew, I feel so at ease in you, Lord. I find my joy, my peace, my patience, my blessing, my shalom in you. And if you've given it to me, no one else can take it away. Have you yet to receive full Shabbat? It's found in Jesus. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to consider you. And Lord, just as we consider you this morning and this morning as we're dedicating our children we dedicate ourselves to find rest in you we dedicate ourselves to find our hope in you we dedicate ourselves to find our refuge in you and as a community of faith lord we ask help us to see and savor to enjoy the goodness that comes from your rest. Not just now in this moment, but every day. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com dot au